Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Welcome to the year 2022. Praise the Lord. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina with my co-host, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordo from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuned into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ. We would ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments for any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call at Steve B's Media Productions at the Carolina studio at 910-491-6405. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stay along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I'd ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us to see another brand new year. We thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to come on the airways and proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you will be my co-host on the show this evening, Glenn McMillian and Clay Phillips, as they break into our listeners the bread of life. Also, we pray that you will bless their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed 
of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you would bless our listeners who are tuning in this broadcast via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that they may consider their eternal stats before you, that their hearts may be pricked, and it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to die such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask you to forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of your will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you will save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. I will speakers for this evening in the first segment. My co-host, Glenn McMillian, he serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be making this proclamation of the Gospel of Christ. And we will not have a shouted-out question on the show this evening. So to close out the show, my co-host, Clay Phillips, he serves with, as the evangelist for the Rose City Church of Christ there in Thomasville, Georgia. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ as well. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one should be that of my co-host, Glenn McMillian. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Let it shine for 
listening to the gospel light radio show give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of jesus christ now my co-host ben mcmillian and his subject i is for irresistible grace all right good evening everybody welcome back to the gospel light radio show and to our series that we've been doing on uh calvinism and uh specifically uh, the effect of Calvinism on uh, millennial Christians or millennial uh, believers and uh, the rise of the nuns in correspondence with that. Um, so as we've been talking about this, if, if, if you're new to this series or if you're, as a recap of what we've been doing so far, we're discussing Calvinism as a system. Uh, Calvinism is a, a logical system as much as it is a doctrinal one, and it is based on God's sovereignty. And therefore, if you assume that God is sovereign in, in the sense that God makes all of the important decisions, then that leaves nothing else for you to do, um, which on the one hand can be very comforting if you assume that you are part of the chosen, if you, you are part of the people that God has decided to uh, do his work for, then it is very comforting to know and, and to believe that uh, God has done all the work and you don't really have to do anything and your salvation is secured because of that. But if you are on the other side or if you have reason to suspect that you haven't been chosen, uh, what does that mean for you? And, and, and the more people find themselves Asking that question, the bigger problem we have uh, with these uh, the implications of Calvinism and the reason why we see a lot of people start to leave uh, those congregations. And again, in the past, this wasn't a problem because they would just leave that congregation, go to a different church that doesn't teach Calvinism, and things would go off as normal uh, for the most part. But now. Uh, people are leaving churches, and they're not going to another church. They're leaving the whole concept of Christianity altogether. So we are in a crisis mode in, in the Christian world as to how do we recapture people who have been damaged by bad theology and bring them back into uh, a relationship, a true relationship with God. So irresistible grace. We, we went through, uh, we're going through the tulip of Calvinism, T, which was for total depravity, 
U, which is for unconditional election, L, which is for limited atonement, which we did last time, and today we're on I, which is irresistible grace. What does it mean that God's grace is irresistible? And once again, I'm not going to define it myself. I'm going to let them tell you what it means. Uh, this is from, uh, what is this book called? The Five Points of Calvinism Defined, Defended, Documented by the Pres Presbyterian Reform Publishing Company, and they define irresistible grace thusly. Although the general outward call of this, this bill can be and often is rejected, the special inward call of the Spirit never fails to result in the conversion of those to whom it is made. The special call is not made to all sinners, but is issued to the elect only. The Spirit is in no way dependent upon their help or cooperation for success in his work of bringing them to Christ. It is for this reason that Calvinists speak of the, of the Spirit's call and the Lord's grace in saving sinners as being effectuous, invincible, or ir irresistible. For the grace which the Holy Spirit extends to the elect cannot be thwarted or refused. It never fails to bring them to true faith in Christ. So, as we can see in their own words, we are not misrepresenting this, this doctrine when we say that they believe that God will drag you kicking and screaming into heaven. His grace cannot be thwarted. It cannot be uh, defeated. Once the call goes out, it cannot be resisted. And you have no choice but to comply if you are part of the elect. So, uh, again, on the surface, that kind of sounds good, right? So if, you are, if you've been elect, once God has decided to save you, uh, there's nothing that's going to stand in the way of that. You will be saved regardless of whether you want to or not. Um, and if you again, if you are absolutely sure that you are elect, then that's that's a good thing. But the converse is also true. If it's true that no man can be saved unless they receive this irresistible call, that also means that if you have not received this irresistible call, if you feel like you, there's nothing calling you to this lifestyle then you cannot be saved. And that is the position that a lot of people find themselves in. Um, if you grow up in this, this environment where the doctrine is telling you that if you are part of the elect, you get this feeling, you get this irresistible call that God is pushing you or pulling you towards him. And therefore, and once you get that call, you can't resist it. You can't do anything but do what God wants you to do. But if you are growing up in this environment and you don't feel that that call, you don't feel that pull, you don't feel particularly blessed or called to do anything special, um, but what conclusion do you draw other than, I must not be elect, and if I'm not elect, then there's no hope for my salvation anyway. So why am I playing the game? Why do I bother coming to this building on Sunday morning, wasting my time, 
going through the motions when if I'm not elect, I'm not saved. And if I don't feel the call, if I don't feel obligated to do it, um, then I'm just I'm just pretending. Uh, and again, they don't. Not only do they teach that you are not saved in that moment, but you never were saved. So if you, at any time, any point in your life, start to feel this way, if you ever start to feel any doubt uh, towards your salvation. Uh, or towards your calling, uh, then that is evidence that not only have you lost something, because you couldn't have lost anything, because it wasn't yours to have. You never had it to begin with, and thus all of the time that you spent uh, in church uh, was a waste of your time. And so the disillusionment that comes along with that uh, with looking at the the flip side, the negative side of, of this theology is enough to drive uh, young people especially, but any rationally thinking person out of uh, church entirely. If that's the God that we serve, if that's, if that's God's nature, that he calls those that he calls, and if I'm not called, then there's no hope for me, and if I am called, then it'll hit me eventually. So there's no risk in leaving. There's no point in staying. I might as well go. So how do we get here? How did they, the Calvinists make this argument and convince people that this is the way that God is? And what can we do with that? So let's look at uh, one of the, the major texts that Cal Calvinists use to push this document is uh, John chapter 6, verse 44. And if you're looking at it in your Bible, John 6, verse 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God, and everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Now, John 6.44, again, on the surface, if you just read it without context, sounds like it's teaching this irresistible grace. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me drops him, and I will raise him up on the, on the last day. Nobody can come to God, can come to Christ, unless he has been touched by the Father, unless the Holy Spirit does some special acts, miraculous action on that person, uh, they can't come. But again, they are missing uh, the very next verse in verse 45. How does this being called of God actually take place? What does the Bible actually say about being called of God? It says, as it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God, and everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So even in this verse, even in the context of this passage, it's not really saying what they want it to say. It's not saying that some kind of miraculous external force has to act on you in order for you to be saved. It says that they will be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned, it, the, when you hear the gospel, 
you have the opportunity to respond to it. Therefore, that is what draws you. That is the call. That calling is that the learning of the truth of God. And if you accept it, then you have the choice to enter into God's grace. But what the Calvinist wants us to believe is that every person has to be directly impacted by uh, some kind of miraculous uh, inspiration in order for them to, to have any hope of salvation. This is not what Jesus is saying in this passage. Uh, another passage is uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 14. And if we can turn there. Acts 16, verse 14. So the woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So again, they, they use this, the Lord opened her heart very literally to say that the, the, this action by the Holy Spirit had to take place in order for her to respond. But again, this was a product of her listening first. <laughs> she was listening. She heard the word of God, and the word was what happened, had to impact and, and allow the Lord to open her heart. The Lord opening her heart is not a literal miraculous touching of her of her heart it is the word having an impact the word having it's it's supposed the, the the it's proper purposeful impact on opening somebody's heart that's why we have the uh the parable of the sower that the the word is the seed the seed is what is planted in people's hearts and causes them uh to respond and again, it's not effective for everybody. Not everybody is able to receive the word when they when they hear it. But it's the power is in the word. The power is not some kind of miraculous thing. That's why Paul also says later that knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. How can we persuade men if it's not if if there is a supernatural action that has to happen in order to change people's nature. What would we be persuading them of? If God is the one that opens the hearts, if God is the one that has to miraculously transform somebody, what would we be persuading them of? There is no argument. <laughs> there is no no persuasion to be made if the if the work is all being done by God in the background and we are just there to be sock puppets, I guess, is what uh are are the activators. So so there's that's the, the argument that the, the Calvinists will make is that so that it is true that this preaching precedes this activation and our job as as preachers, or as Calvinist preachers, as they would say, is to be the conduit for this activation to happen. So, yes, they, they hear the word from us, but then 
the Lord is what actually makes them respond to the word. But if you actually press them on this, so if you're if that's what you're saying, you're saying that somebody's work is then necessary for these people to be saved. Because if then if if there's a trigger in hearing this word, then is it possible for a person who never hears the word to never get triggered, even though they are elect? If you ask them that question, they'll say, oh, oh, of course not, absolutely not. The, the, the will of God cannot be controverted in that way. So if somebody is elect, they will eventually respond, even if there is no trigger. So they're going to make the argument that they're, they're, they're preaching and, they, and these, these passages hold up because that teaching is a trigger to – open this person or or allow the Holy Spirit to open this person up. But at the same time, they're going to preach that that's not necessary in order for that to happen. So it is possible for a person to be elect, not know it, never be taught about God, and then at some point the the irresistible grace of God will kick in and and bring that person into the knowledge of Christ, even though they've never been introduced to to the topic before. Because if that person's been chosen, they have to be saved. Even if that person has been a, a person who rejects God, a person who doesn't want to have anything to do with this religion. So he, he grew up with it, he, he learned it, he decided he doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to hear it. He's, he's heard a thousand sermons. He doesn't buy into this whole thing. He wants to go do his own thing. Uh, the irresistible grace doctrine says that that person will be, again, dragged kicking and screaming into heaven because at some point this trigger is going to hit and, and pull them back into uh, the good grace of God because the grace of God is irresistible. Um, so, again, if that is the case, what are you? what is the message that you're sending to people? Especially, again, people who are on the margins, people who don't necessarily buy into uh, all of this Christian lifestyle stuff. They really just want to know, what do I need to do to get to heaven, and by that they mean what is the bare minimum things that I need to do in order to get to heaven. Well, what you're saying is that a person doesn't actually have to live their life according to Christian values because it's not up to you. You don't get to choose. You've either been chosen or you haven't been. What you do has no bearing on that. So what conclusion do you draw? You might as well, again, live your life the way you want to, do what you want to, and at some point you're either going to be dragged back into it, it's going to be something that you can't resist, and you're going to come to it and, and, and be pulled into it, or you're not, and it doesn't actually change your fate because your fate was sealed at the beginning of time or when Adam sinned or whichever, depending on who you're talking to. So 
we see where these where these arguments come from. We see how they try to uh, make them make sense in the context of surfer, but e- but even in the context in which they are presented, this irresistible grace thing doesn't make a lot of sense. And this is why irresistible grace, as we talked we talked about each of these five uh, pillars of Calvinism being necessary to the system, that all five of them have to stand in order for the system to work. If you take out one, logically, the system no longer works. But as we talked about last time with limited atonement, you can take out one that even even though it logically needs to be there, they're not going to defend that position because it doesn't, number one, it doesn't mesh with scripture, but number two, it doesn't sound good when they talk about it. And so uh, they're not, not everybody's going to buy fully into it. And if they're, if you're pressing on it, they're going to say that it, must necessarily be true in order for the other things to be true, but they're not going to uh, hold to it or even teach it really as doctrine. And and the limited atonement is one because nobody wants to say as part of their preaching that there are people who can't be saved. Uh, and the irresistible grace is another one because no one's going to want to say that uh, you can't help but not be saved if you've been called, because the the corollary to that is if you haven't been called, you're out of luck. And no one wants to talk about that in in Calvinist circles, but that's the reality. And that and once a person starts thinking that, once a person starts thinking about what happens if I haven't been called, uh, from a Calvinist perspective, all sorts of bad things happen, and that's why we have so many people leaving uh, these Calvinist churches and then not going to find the truth just because as far as they can, or they're concerned, this is the way God is. And I, so how do we combat that? How do we get to an understanding of God that makes more sense, that people can uh, wrap their minds around and really have an understanding of how God works in our lives. And I'd like to point us to one of Jesus' more famous parables, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, as some uh, translations will call it. So I'm not going to read the the entire text. This is, again, a very famous parable. Most of us are going to be familiar with it. Um, Let us understand the elements of uh, the parable of the prodigal son because I think that understanding this parable and understanding what it's teaching will go a long way in not only dealing with this irresistible grace thing specifically, but the whole Calvinist system is really challenged and I would say overturned by a proper understanding of this parable. So to summarize, we have a, a man who has two sons, and he has possessions and fields and whatnot. And one of the sons decides that he wants to leave. So right off the bat, what do we see? What is the position of the the son? 
does the sun start out as lost? Does the sun start out as degenerate? Or does the sun start out as being a full member of the family? As we see, he starts out in the house. He starts out as being a full member of the family. That totally wipes this total depravity thing off the board because our initial position is not outside. Our initial position is not depraved and lost. Our initial position is in fellowship, in the family of God. Then what happens? The son decides that he wants to leave. Does the father stop him? No. Does the father physically prevent him from going? No. Does he withhold something from him to prevent him from going? No. He gives him everything that he asks for. And he allows him to leave. So what have we learned from this? Number one, we make a decision. Number two, God honors that decision. He wills for us to stay in the family. He wills for us to not lose that connection to him. But he doesn't controvert our will by forcing us into relationship. So this idea of irresistible grace uh, goes out the door because the will of God is for every man to be saved. The Bible says this multiple times. But we know that not every man is saved. Not every man is going to be saved. The Bible makes this explicitly clear as well. Now, if we are in the Calvinist mindset about the absolute sovereignty of God, that the will of God cannot be controverted, we're already in trouble. Because if God wills that all men be saved, but we know that the majority of men will not be saved, that's already a, a, a contradiction of the underlying premise of Calvinist doctrine. The only way to prevent that would be for God to prevent this person from, from leaving as their own will, which he does not do. He allows the person to leave. So the person leaves and they go off into depravity. They go off into debauchery. The son is living up his, his life in the pleasures of the flesh. He wastes all of his resources, figures out that he's now destitute. And what does the Bible say? He comes to his senses and says, I will go back to my father. Again, who makes the decision? The son makes the decision to go back. Why? As a result of seeing the circumstances that he has put himself into. Does he blame the father for putting him in this position? No. The father has no responsibility because he made the decision to leave. He made the decision to, to act out. He is now realizing the consequences of his decision. And then he decides to go back. Does the father 
send out a hunting party to find him and, and bring him back by force? No. Does the father uh, send a messenger to him and, and, and test him to him and say, you got to come back, you got to come back? No. The son makes the decision on his own to come back. He's not dragged kicking and screaming back to his father's house. He makes the decision to go. Again, you making the decision to change your position is something that Calvinism tells you is impossible. But Jesus is clearly saying in this parable that the son who was faced left his position of safety decided he did not like it then and decided to come back. All of these are decisions that he made on his own without prompting, without force from the father. Now, when he decides to go back home, while he is still a long way off, the father rushes out to meet him. But the, the father doesn't rush out to meet him until he decides to come back home until he has traveled on his way back home. He has made steps to get back home. And then while he is a long way off, the father sees him and rushes out to meet him. God is gracious that when we make steps towards him, when we decide we're going to clean our lives up and, and move back into God's direction and get back into God's good graces. He extends his mercy, extends his grace towards us so that we don't have to be perfect, we don't have to be clean all the way. God is going to reach out and bring us along. Um, but the decision has to be made on our, our part first. We, it's not something that God does against our will. God is not going to save us against our will. God is not going to cause us to be lost against our will. God is going to honor our decisions, and he's going to help us when we make good decisions. But he's also going to not stand in our way when we make bad decisions because that is what it means to have free will. That is what it means to have free agency. Irresistible grace means that if, if it were true, would mean that we have no free agency. Either God plays chess with us and forces us to make moves that we wouldn't make ourselves, or God at some point is going to pull the leash on us, say, okay, you've had your fun. I'm going to pull you back to where I need you to be. Against again, against your will, because you've been out doing your own thing for all this time, and at some point he's going to yank that chain, and it can't be resisted. You don't, you never really had a choice; you just had an illusion of a choice. So, do you have free will or not? Does God direct your? decisions to the point where you can't choose him or not choose him? Or 
does Jesus' words in this parable have any reflection on real life? Because this parable shows this son making decisions. Not all of them are great decisions, but the father doesn't stand in his way. And the grace is extended, but again, that grace is conditional, which goes against Calvinist unconditional election. And that grace is only extended after a decision is made on our part, on the, on the, on the part of the son, to go back to the father's house. So it's not irresistible. That grace is always available. The son was just re- was resisting it the entire time that he was away from the house. As soon as he decided to go back to the house, again, he decided. It wasn't forced on him. It wasn't uh, drawn out of him. <laughs> it was a decision he made based on deciding that being in God's house was better than uh, the pleasures of the world. So I think this is very easy to understand. I think that, that the whole point of parables that Jesus taught was to make things like this very easy to understand. Uh, it, this is not a... Uh, so Again, if we have proper understanding of this parable, there's no way that you can hold Calvinist doctrinal points and then put them against this parable and, and see them as being con- congruous. They, they, are, they are completely out of step. Everything that happens in this parable should not be allowed if God works the way that Calvinism says he works. The initial position is wrong. The progression through the steps is wrong. Final goal, the final standing uh, is wrong. Because of a person who is lost uh, or who is able to fall into lostness from a place of safety, according to Calvinism, was never safe to begin with, much less should should not have a possibility of coming back to safety. And we will talk more about that next time when we get to P, the the preservation of the saints. But it it is very clear in in this passage that there is a movement from, from a position of safety to a position of lostness and then back to a place of safety. And we can see that in the Father's words. He says to the, to the, to the other son, he says, look, the son of mine was lost, but now, now he is found. He was dead. And now he is alive again. He didn't start off lost. He didn't start off dead. He became lost when he left on his own decision. He became dead when he left of his own decision. When he came back, he was found. He was alive again as far as the father was concerned. These are things that should not be able to happen if God works the way Calvinism says that God works. 
So irresistible grace is not a thing. God doesn't act against our will. God, God is sovereign in that he has all power, and he could, if he wanted to, force things to be the way that he wills them to be. But he honors our free will. He honors our choice. That's the whole point of this, uh, this exercise, is God is making salvation available to us he wants us to choose to come to him. And he has given us every tool. He has given us every uh, avenue available. He has given us the ability for me to have this sermon on the Internet, so to reach somebody to make a decision to choose uh, to draw closer to God. But that that is a choice that you get to make. It's not something that's going to be forced on you, and it's not something that, uh, you know, God is going to make you do. Uh, you, it, it is up to you to choose Him, and He wants you to. He really, really wants you to. God doesn't is not willing that any man be lost, but He's going to honor your choice. So the lesson is yours. Uh, we have dealt with this. This. This concept of Calvinism, the concept of the evil, uncaring, arbitrary God uh, that Calvinism requires, and I, I hope that we've done enough in this series and in, even in today's lesson to show you that that's not the God that we serve. God loves you. God wants you to be in relationship with him, but he also respects you enough to honor your choice. If you don't choose to be with him, he's not going to force you. He's going to send people like me to plead with you. He's going to send uh, messages to you uh, through his word to encourage you, but he's not going to force you. So do you choose to be a part of God's family or not? That is up to you, and you can decide that as you continue to listen to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Oh, oh, oh. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Get tired, so tired. 
you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host, Clay Phillips, and his subject, Looking in the Right Direction. Good evening. Thank you, Steve. I want to thank Brother Glenn for doing a marvelous job in delivering the message, Word of God. I want to say Happy New Year to all of you that are tuned in with us on this evening. It is always good to be in the house of the Lord. I am Brother Clay Lee Phillip, minister here at the Rose City Church of Christ a church bound for heaven that seeketh out the will of God. And we are so thankful that all the ministers that are listening uh, and speaking on this broadcast, we're just so thankful for you as well. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah, the chapter is 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I want to commence reading at verse 1, and terminate at verse number 9. That's Isaiah, Old Testament passage scripture, chapter 6, commencing with verse number 1 and terminating at verse number 9. And we find these words written in the year of King Uzziah died. Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. One of them had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the post of the door shook at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst, listen, of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, then flew one of the seraphim under me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this have touched thy lips, <laughs> and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Then verse 8 and 9, it says, Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. 
Then verse number nine says, and he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Thus is the reading of our scripture. I want to pull from these passages of scripture, looking in the right direction in the year of 2022. Looking in the right direction. What I mean by looking, looking here means more than visual looking. Looking here give us the understanding of vision. Because in this text, God give uh, Isaiah the vision and a commission to be able to go forth into the new of Israel. And so I want to, I want to give you uh, four homiletics. And then when I give you these four homiletics, and then we're going to look at this and let the message be yours. Number one, I want to look at uh, Isaiah looking, now look, at, look carefully, looking in the right direction. I want to look, number one, at Isaiah vision and commission. I want to look at number one, write this down, Roman number one, a vision of God. Isaiah had a vision of God. Number two, then he had a vision of self, himself, if you will. And then number three, he had a vision of participation in God's salvation. <laughs> Woo! Let the Bible speak, Brother Phillips. And number four, we want to conclude. If it be the Lord's will, the conclusion, we're going to conclude with the decision to try. The decision to try. So let us look now, if you will, at this most powerful message. We're going into a new year. We're already into a new year, rather, uh, 2022. I know we all have gone through some stuff, and we have gone through some ups and downs. And uh, we must understand, number one, first of all, we must understand in my introduction is the valence of faith. Sometimes God expects us to fail. Now, this lesson, the message of Isaiah, is telling us that God called him to a ministry that God knew was going to fail. <laughs> say that again, Brother Cook. God called Isaiah. Now, imagine with me, God called you to a church preacher and let you know up front that your ministry is going to fail. In other words, that listen, I want you to understand that people are not going to take heed to your ministry, that you're going to fail. How do you know? Because now, in verse number nine, let, let me just show you what I'm talking about here. Let's look uh and looking in the right direction here. Now, notice that it says, verse number 9, now God telling Isaiah, he says, and he said, go and tell the people. And I want you to be their minister. You hide, they hide you. You are the preacher. He said, you go tell them. He says, hear ye indeed, but understand not. He said, they're going to hear you, preacher, but they're not going to understand. And see you indeed, but proceed not. Verse number 10 says, make the heart of the people fat and make their ears heavy. What do you mean by make the heart of the people fat? In other words, that they are going to be well educated. 
They're going to be some educated folks. They know about homiletics. They know about exegesis, exegesis, uh, hermeneutics. They are well-taught. God said, you go and you tell them. And they're going to be well-taught. And they, they're going to know. They're going to be fat. They're going to understand. They're going to have a good preacher. They're going to brag about the preacher. This, uh, that's my preacher. He, he knows the way. Isaiah, I want you to understand. But your ministry is going to fail. I didn't know. He said, make people hard fat and make their ears heavy. Now, how long are you going to be in the pulpit? He said, shout. He said, I want you to understand. That's how they're going to be. Now, understand this. So for the most part, God sent Isaiah on a strange era. God sent him and warned him that, listen, I want you to understand, I'm giving you an example of my people, the church, uh, when Christ comes, this is how they're going to be. In other words, he given a metaphor. He given us a metaphor to understand this is how Israel is going to be when Jesus comes on the scene. Do you know the story Jesus came on the scene? Uh, and that's why the Bible says that Jesus said, give not that which is holy, to the dogs. <laughs> In other words, after Jesus did all of that, he had preached, he had raised the dead, he had fed 5,000, he walked from the water, and yet, and still, look at them. They ignored Jesus. They, this, and so Isaiah is prophesying. Good God Almighty. Isaiah is experiencing. He's looking into the future. He's looking in the right direction. This is how what's going to happen. That's why he said in Isaiah 53, uh, who shall believe our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a ground that had no form, nor comelessness. He says we shall despise him, a man rejected, wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. You remember when Philip Angel came to him. Oh, look at it. Said, so go join thyself to this chariot. The Ethiopian was riding, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So Isaiah, and the Bible said, let the Bible speak, brother Philip, that uh, Philip jumped on this chariot and asked him understanding what that read. He said, how can I except some man guide me? That's what this radio program is about. This radio broadcast uh, is about helping you understand the word of God. So my message today is for 2022 to help you understand the message of keep you looking in the right direction. You remember Jesus uh, even told his apostles and disciples and the mother too. He said, remember Lot's wife. God said, told Lot to get out of the city and don't look back. And you remember the story Lot Why look back and became a pillar of salt. So God is telling us, listen, don't you look back. Don't you take a chance on going back. Good God Almighty. And that's why Jesus said, don't, don't waste your time uh, casting your pearls to the swine. Don't waste your time casting that which is holy unto the dog. Jesus is telling us. And then you remember the apostle says in Acts chapter 13, 44 through uh, 46, he talked to those Jews that thought they was all right. He says, judge in yourselves that you are unworthy. If you look in your own heart, you will see that you are unworthy, that you don't deserve, if you will, 
You don't deserve this. And so here we find, and that's why the Bible says, Peter said in, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20 through 22, he said, it had been better, good God Almighty, that you have not known the word of God than to know his word and refuse it. So Isaiah, he foretell the ruins of the people. Then, not only that, God, if you study the text on Father down to Isaiah chapter 6, God, what he did, he ripened them for the ruin. Good God, somebody ought to say amen. God is what God ripened them for, the rottening. In other words, God make them tight, make them fat, make them that they all of this and all of that. And, uh, and then we find here, he said, I want you to understand that uh, if this is not good. Now, if you will, I said, I laid the foundation. Lay the foundation. The proverb writer said, the proverb writer said, now this is, I'm going to go into the new year. I want you all to go into the new year with me. The proverb writer said, in Proverbs 29 and verse number 18, he says, and tell us where there is no vision. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so this is what we want to do. I want to give you vision tonight. Uh, I want to give you the understanding of the word of God tonight. I want to help you. I want you to look in the right direction. Now, uh, the first direction I want you to look in is a vision of God, a vision of God. Now, let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. Notice in verse number 1 of chapter 6, the Bible says, in the day that King Uzziah died. Now, if you study the historicity of the text, I'm not going to say to read all of it, but go back and read chapter 5. If you study the history of the text, uh, King Uzziah was the best king ever lived, as other than Jesus, king of kings. You talking about, but as far as man king, those kings that they uh, had anointed king, Uzziah was the best. So this demonstrates, so Isaiah is talking about and demonstrating, he said, I want you to understand that after a while, that good men are going to be hard to find. <laughs> Hello? Good men are going to be hard to find. In other words, you must understand that uh, in this society, we got to understand that good men, look at our society. Most homes don't have men in it. The church, good God Almighty, the church don't have a lot of men. Men are just leaving the homes leaving the job, not working, going around, walking around the pants, hanging down. These young men need to be taught. They didn't look into the right direction. They didn't look unto God. And so here the Bible says that uh, in the year of King Uzziah died. But the, the best thing about when the good men leave, this is what we have to teach. Number one, Roman number one, we got to teach our young men to have vision of God. So Isaiah, if you will, deals with the vision of God. He says, notice now, he said, I want not to know something here. He said, I saw also the Lord. <laughs> Woo! So you got to be able to see the Lord in everything. Uh, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. To them that love the Lord and call to his purpose. In other words, you got to be able to see God in the pandemic. Good 
Bible speak, Brother Philip. You've got to be able to see God in this pandemic. God said, listen, you all are ignoring my desires, ignoring what I gave you, ignoring my laws. You are ignoring, I've got to bring you under submission. Bible says, and I saw the Lord. Notice the Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He says, high and lifted up. In other words, he, he's amazed at God. He's looking at God. He's looking at what is happening here. And he says, uh, and his train filled the temple. You know, the train, like a, a bride come in and had the train on the dress, and it says the train of God. In other words, the glory of God. Woo! <laughs> filled the temple. We got to get back to the point where the glory of God filled the temple. Good God about it. We got to learn that when you step in the house of God, the glory of God must fill the temple. What do you mean by the glory of God? The word of God. When you preach the word of God, Paul told Timothy, let the Bible speak for the Philip. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, shall they heat themselves, teachers having itching ears. That's what's going on now in our world, in the church, in the body of Christ. I must say, in the church of Christ. I had a preacher tell me that I give the people what they want. What? Good God Almighty. You can't give the people what they want. You got to give the people the word of God. Preach the word, brother. Let the Bible speak. Then, then I just say, I want you to understand. He gave us a, a clear understanding of a vision of God. He helped us to see here. He says, above it stood the seraphim or angels, each one having Six wings with two to cover his face. In other words, the holiness of God was so much that even the angels couldn't even look upon God. When God's glory was so powerful, even the celestial being had to be in obese to God. It said to cover their face. You remember uh, Moses, Lord, let me see you. My God, the God. Moses, boy, God, if I let you show me, you'll die. But I, what I'll do is I'll let you see my backside. Put Moses in the mountain and pass by and Moses on the backside. But notice now, when Moses came out of, came down from the mountain, Bible says that his hair was standing and it was white. He was glowing. Even to look at the backside of God because so look at the train of God, two to cover his face, two to cover his feet, and two to fly with. Then the Bible says, and one cried unto him and said, in other words, you can't hold your peace. When you're in the God, you can't hold your peace. Ah, somebody said, I, I, I got to be quiet in the chair. I, I can't hold my peace. I heard uh, Solomon say when the glory of God come, even the trees clap their hands. Good God Almighty. Mountains be removed. Woo. Look at it. He says, holy, holy, holy. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled of his glory. The sun, the moon, the stars, everything exemplifies the glory of God. You better start looking in the right direction this year, 2020. You need to look 
in the right direction. He says in verse number four, he says, and the post of the door moved. The word moved there means shake. When he came up to the door, he didn't have to knock on it. Door just shook. It came open. God glory. When you are ready to, for God's glory to come upon you, listen, listen. See, the vision of God, you will understand. Listen what it says. A voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. In other words, the word of God is cough. You make you cough. The word uh, smoke here demonstrate it, it's real. Uh, the, the, the God that calls us, in other words, a continual prayer. What do you mean by continual prayer? A continual prayer is a prayer that uh, is like coughing. In other words, it cease, uh, always pray. Pray without ceasing. So what it means is prayer is like your throat. It's something that caught up in your throat. You'll cough. And that's how prayer is. That's why when people sneeze or cough, we say, bless you. <laughs> Buddha, we say, bless you. Why? Because they it's coughed up. Some mess that got hung up in them. And so when you get caught up, you got caught up last year, 2021, in some stuff. Now it's time to cough it up. Let the Bible speak, brother, if you will. Then, so now, when you look, if you will, Isaiah saw the vision of God. He had a vision about God. Uh, now, what do you mean by vision of God? He, uh, to look upward. That's what it means to have a vision about God. It means to look up. Those of us, listen, listen. We need to stop looking at one another. Stop looking behind us. Stop looking all around us. We need to have a mentality of looking up. Holy, 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 look up. So here we find Isaiah had a vision of God. He looked up, looked upward. That means that I saw also the Lord. <laughs> That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. Let, let, let me turn over there. I, I, I wasn't going to read it, but I, I just got to read it. Turn the Bible down to Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, the verses number 1 and verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 12. And the verses number one and the verses number two says, Wherefore, seeing we also have are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. <laughs> Isaiah is one of those witnesses. Because you read uh, chapter 11, he just told us by faith. Woo! And then he gave us a list of those that are witnesses. So here in verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Wherefore, and it was not you know you got those witnesses. What do you mean? But uh, if you go by the 11, chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the substance, hope for the other thing not seen. That's what, in other words, that now you've got some vision, you can see God moving in. And then in verse number 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, no, let me go verse 1. Wherefore, sin also we are compassed about with so great a power of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. In other words, let us go into 2020. Get me? Let us go into 2020 by laying aside every weight and sin, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, Listen, you can't do it on your own, but it tells us how to 
But, in other words, you've got to have vision. You've got to keep vision. Now, what do you mean by keep vision? Look, look at verse number two. I love it. It says, looking. <laughs> Woo! Looking, having vision, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what we ought to be looking up. Holy, holy, holy. Look unto Jesus, the finisher and the author of our code. Now, what I mean by author means that Jesus is the originator. In other words, this world was created for Jesus. This is everything. Uh, let, uh, let the Bible speak, Brother Phil. Uh, let, 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 let me go to it. I got to show it to you. John, turn to John chapter 1 then. I better, I better show it to you. John chapter 1 in the New Testament and verse number 1. John chapter 1, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. <laughs> and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Talk about Jesus. Now, notice what it says, in the beginning. Now, the word in the beginning here, etymologically, meaning it came out of something. Woo. So people talk about, uh, uh, this is where everything started. No, no. In the beginning means that this came out of something. What did it come out of? It came out of eternity. What you mean, brother? It came out of the in the beginning. It came out of eternity to in the beginning. Talk about what I'm saying. Men up in here. 2020, 2022. Woo! In the beginning. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was a light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and darkness comprehended him. So Jesus came from eternity into this. This was set in the mind of God even before the world began. So here we got the vision. So we let the authority meaning the originator, then it says the finisher of our faith, meaning that he is the perfecter. I am only perfected through the blood of Jesus Christ. I am perfected, I am better through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 6, verse. Now we'll look at, that's number one, Roman number one, a vision of God. Then number two, a vision of self. Uh-oh. Woo. Where did you get that from? A vision of self. Isaiah had a vision of God first. After uh, all, when, when good men fall and die and gone, we got to have a vision of God because that's, that, that's the only way you're going to, listen, the only way you're going to find a good man is that that man trusts God. If you don't trust God, he's not a good man. I don't care what you say. I don't care how you look at it. He could be handsome. He could be all that and, and piece of potato chip, but he's no good if he don't have the love. Look at it. Then number two, a vision of self. Look, let's look at the vision of self. Isaiah chapter, back to chapter six. Now I'm going to leave verse number five through verse number seven. Bible said, let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. Then said I, uh-oh, then said I, woe is me. <laughs> For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So 
Quit talking about the preacher. Quit talking about one another. All of us, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Look at your own self. Judge your own self. He says, Isaiah said, I want you to understand, I had a vision of myself. He said, I said, woe is me, for I am undone. He said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I recognize you also, having seen king, having seen the king of the host. In other words, he said, I want you to understand, after I saw Jesus, I couldn't stand myself. <laughs> after I saw Jesus, I couldn't stand myself. I didn't realize how ugly I was until I saw Jesus. Until I saw Jesus Christ. So let, me, let, me go, let me go down to verse number seven. Then, then through one of the seraphim, the angels, the seraphim, unto me. In other words, when Isaiah had a vision about himself that he was no good, that's when God sent salvation. <laughs> Woo! That's when God sent ability. That's when God sent what he needed. This year, 2022, we need to go out, number one, have a vision about God. Number two, have, have a vision about yourself. Let's look, let's, let's look at it. It says, having, now what did, it, what did it first, the servant from do? He said, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the, with the tawn from off the altar. The altar was that which of sacrifice for forgiveness. And then it says, what did he do with it? He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this have touched my lips, and thine iniquity I know what it says. And mine iniquity, my sins, my sins is taken away. And thy sin purged. I want you to know that my sin was taken away and purged. When? When, number one, I saw the vision of God. Number two, I looked at myself and I couldn't stand myself. Woo! Quit thinking that you're all that and some more. A piece of potato chip. You're not all that. None of us are not all that. So what did he do? He, he, number one, he had a vision of God who gave him the, the author and finisher of our course, which is to look up. Then he had a vision about himself to look uh, inside. So this year, 2022, you need to look inside of yourself. Quit judging everybody else. Quit judging and looking at everybody else. You need to look at your conscience. When a man, listen to me, listen to me. When a man, when a man really see God as God, straightway he see himself. And he confesses his sins. There's no way you can come up in the house of God and see the train of Jesus and see what Jesus has done. He died. Then he died. He died that I might have a right to the tree of life. He suffered. He bled. He was buried. But early Sunday morning, got up. I grave. look at my Savior. And I can't, I can't look back. Jesus told his apostles, he that put in his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Go say amen if you can. Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. So when you see yourself, 
in John, First John chapter uh, one. Tell I got to read that. Oh my goodness, I got to read it. First John. I will not read that verse, but I got to read it. First John. Everybody turn the Bible now. First John chapter one, verse five. First John chapter one, and I want to begin reading at verse number five. First John chapter one, and the verse is number five. Now, and we find these words written in verse number five. This then is the message. Notice now, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we, notice what it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So, in other words, let us listen. Let us look forward. Don't look back. Let's go in 2022 looking forward. Don't get caught up in all that. I can't say, well, okay, okay, you got it. But notice in verse number six, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But notice number seven, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses, cleanses, cleanses us from all sin. Not from all sin. Then verse number eight. Oh, let the Bible speak, brother Philip. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Quit lying about you in sin. Quit looking at one another saying, and I, wait, I know you ain't no good. You know I ain't no good. Only reason I'm in it, thing because the Bible says that God sent a seraphim, and the seraphim took uh, a tongue and went on the altar and took uh, and put it on the preacher's tongue and cleaned him. Only way I'm cleaning, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross that I might be able to preach the word. He says, uh, the Apostle Paul said in First Corinthians that we are like pots. What you mean pots? We are like outdoors. When I was young, we didn't have indoor restrooms. We had pots that manure we were all used for the restroom, and we would take it outside. God said, you are pots. That's what you are. But he cleaned us up and put the word of God into those filthy pots. Woo, good God Almighty. Forget about 2021 in the sense of the word. Don't look back at it and feel that you have failed. Don't think you fall and fail because you are going through struggles. Let me tell you something about failure. Can I, can I, can I, can I take a few minutes to deviate from this and show you about, about failure? Listen, what failure give us is an opportunity to bounce back. Failure give us. The opportunity to bounce back, it goes, it helps us learn from our mistakes. Not only that, it helps us appreciate success. Fair you. Uh, I know sometimes it's frightening, but we must understand not to lose your enthusiasm, encourage yourself. Fair you is not a step back. Fair you is a stepping stone. It is the excellence of learning how to have obstacles. The word obstacles mean object, spike, obstacles. And God give you failure, give you struggles to step on and go farther. Let's go into 2022 
with obstacles stepping on top of them, on top of them. By the first John chapter uh, one, it says in verse nine, it says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness." If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. How do you make God a liar? But now, now, now listen to this. I'm going to tell you something. How do you make God a liar? When God has forgiven you of your sins, and then somebody sinned against you, and then you don't forgive them, you make God a liar. Woo! Let the Bible speak, Brother Philip. Let me say that one more time. To make God a liar is when you, God forgive you of your sin, then you turn around and don't forgive other people for their sin. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, our Father, which art in heaven, holy is thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. If you can't forgive other people, you're going straight to the lake. Woo! That's how you make God a liar. Jesus gave a parable of a man that owed about a million dollars. And they, and they forgave him. And then he went out and saw a man over about $10. And he threw that man in prison. And that's making God a liar. In 2021, you might have made God a liar, but you need to quit making God a liar and say, thank God, I've seen. God said, Isaiah, I'm going to clean you up first. Amen. Let's go back to Isaiah now. I'm time. I'm winding down here. Isaiah, uh, number one, you need to understand and have a vision about God. Go on in the 2022. Have a vision about God. Number two, have a vision about yourself. Amen. Have a vision about yourself. And number three, have a vision of participation in God's salvation. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. In 2022, have a vision about participation in God's salvation. Let me show it to you. Now, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse Number eight, now after God had cleaned Isaiah up and got him ready for the ministry, got him ready to preach, in other words, preachers have faults just like everybody else. Oh, yes, I've sinned. I get angry. I get frustrated. I've done things that I'm not proud of. I even sing, as the song says. But I want you to understand here, the Bible says that you must learn to have a vision of the participation of salvation. In other words, uh, even the angels, the Bible said, rejoice because, listen to me, listen, the angel rejoice for one sinner that repented. We ought to have that same tenacity, that same zeal to want people to be saved. Paul said, he said in, the, in Romans chapter 10, he said, brother, my heart desire and pray to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And God is wanting us to know. Listen, I've learned over the years, I've been preaching now, 48 years. I started preaching when I was 15. Been married 45 years, October 22nd, 5 o'clock. The same woman, my wife, Essie 
uh, Merle Stuart Phillips now. And I'm telling you, I have learned so much that, listen, if it had not been for the Lord, if it had not been for the vision of God, me recognizing, seeing God, then looking to myself and become disgusted with myself. Paul said, he said, I looked at myself. That's what I should be doing, I don't do. That's what I should not be doing, I find myself doing. Then he said, let me tell you about myself. I looked at myself and I say, oh, wretched man that I am. That's what I see in Clay Lee. When I look in the mirror, I say to myself every day, not every day, every day, that this old wretched man, God helped me through this day. And so I want to be a participant of the, I want everybody to say, the Bible says that the Bible speaks with the Philip. God is not slight concerning his promise, but he have a desire that everybody be saved. That's why he had came here. That's why he had sent his son like that, because he want to give you a chance. You remember when he told Noah, you're going to preach, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. A hundred and twenty years God waited for them to be saved. And the Bible says in First Peter chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was able to pray, when few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Like figure, whether baptism does not also save us, not to put away the fifth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience. Woo! And so the, we ought to look at God. Look at, look at let me say this. Turn now to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. The apostle teaches us in Acts chapter 20 and the verses number 20. Look at what the Bible says in Acts 20 and the verses number 20. I like this. Now, Paul uh, had a shipwreck and all that stuff and going through some stuff, and Paul said, listen, nobody like me. I've gone through some stuff. I know who I am. And the one thing that I, that, that, listen, I don't hate anybody. I forgave everyone in my life. I, when I turned 50, I'm 63 now. When I turned 50, I said, whatever happened in my life before then, I'm going to forgive everybody, forgive me. I ask everybody to forgive me. Because, listen, I'm trying to go to heaven. I'm looking in the right direction. <laughs> I'm looking upward. I'm trying to go there. And I want everybody to go to heaven with me. I got a home prepared. Brother Glenn and Brother House always ask me, Brother Philip, and my, uh, Brother House, do you believe? Yes. Here, believe in the but Yes. I said, Brother House, you just be consistent. That's all. Now, look at Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul says here, he says in verse number 20, Acts 20 and 20, he says, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you and have shown you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. That's what my responsibility is as your minister, to keep back nothing that is profitable unto you. Now, drop down to verse 26. Wherefore, I take you to record this day. In other words, let me, let me, let me take you to record. Now, I, yes, I've done wrong. Yes, oh, wretched man, I am. But I've never done it in evil. I never had an evil heart. Even when I was going out there and, and locking people up and locking them in jail, I did it out of ignorance. I did it because it was a struggle. I thought I was doing the right thing. And it's notice in verse number 20, he says, Wherefore, I'm taking, I'll take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. 
And then it says in verse number 27, For I have not shone to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's why I'm telling you that. That's what this program is all about. Looking in the right direction. Let's let me, I, I, I'm telling you. He says in verse number 28, He said, Take heed therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit made you overseer, to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. He warned us, I know this, that after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in amongst you and not spare the flock. Also of yourselves, men shall rise and speak perverse things, draw away disciples. That was what's happening now. It don't surprise me that people lead the truth. You, if it's because of the truth, I'm sorry. Because I tell you the truth, Jesus looked at his disciples and said, oh, he had fed 5,000, uh, after they got through eating, that's just men now. They're talking about women children, all that. He fed more than 5,000. The apostles took up 12 baskets, and then they still turned it back on them. So Isaiah is telling us, listen, number one, have a vision of God. Number two, have a vision of yourself. Number three, have a vision of participation. He said, watch that in all things. And then in my last, in my last few minutes, I got to, I, I want to help us out. Uh, and let's go back to Isaiah. Isaiah. Now, let's look at verse number eight. <laughs> and I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to say, Happy New Year to you in, in 2022. I want you to go into this year with a, a look, looking in the right direction. Don't look back, don't look sideways, don't look all over the ground, look up. He says in verse number 8, Isaiah now, he says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. See, that's what's going to make your difference. How can you miss Bible study? How can you miss worship service? You can't hear the voice of God. The voice of God is not, is not in the street. Why? Because we're not going out there preaching it. It's supposed to be we supposed to go and teach the world. But what's wrong? We are more concerned about Republicans and Democrats. He said, also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? What? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, not the, I just said, then said I. Now, in number, number four, you need to have a, make a decision to try. But we're not going to be perfect. I, I, no, that's why I'm, I'm glad to be the minister of the Rose Church of Christ, because they know I'm not perfect. But one thing they do know, they know brothers don't try. I, I try my darnness to do the best, to study, to preach. As I, I did 30 years at the fire department, retired from the fire department. It's about achieving, and now the last three years I've been here. I, I, if anybody know me, that come by this building, Brother Philip is here studying. Day in and day out, I'm studying the Word of God. I've given my wife some time, but I'm here studying the Word of God. And he says, he said, I, I just said, then said I, he said, I'm going to try. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to try. Then said I, here am I. Send me. I'm going to try, God. Can, can I try? I, I, 
I just want to try to do your will. And the way you understand God's will and what you know is there's three things. And number one is to understand the separate, you got to learn to separate the voice of God from the voice of the devil. You need to understand that. Sometimes God's voice sounds cruel, sounds hard. Somebody, one thing I didn't know is my father's voice. I don't care if it was good, bad, or indifferent, I knew my father's voice. And that's what Jesus said. You need to know the differentiation in the voice. You know your shepherd voice. And most people, God could be talking to you, and you turn your back on God, and you get hit by a car or get killed or your life digress. Jesus is a good shepherd. Look out for his sheep. But they're howling. Then not only that, we must understand, number, number two, up under that, uh, by the discipline of preparation, we need to prepare ourselves. I didn't care what anybody said. When I came out of high school, I said, I'm going to Southwestern Christian College. And I went there and graduated from Southwestern Christian College. Why? Because I know I had to prepare myself. Why? Because Paul said, to the Jew, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. To the Greeks, to the Cilicians, to all men, I became all things. But one thing I've done, I'm free from all men. Why? Because I told you the truth. And then lastly, we must understand by the beckoning of the opportunity. In other words, when Jesus met the woman at the well, are y'all ready for this? When Jesus met the woman at the well, he had sent his disciples to go get some food, and he met the woman at the well, and she said, you being a Jew talking to me? Yes, because uh, I'm beckoning opportunity. Give me water. You ask me for water? Yes, give me water. Y'all don't do nothing with me. And Jesus said, uh, uh, if you know who you're talking to. And she said, uh, I love this part. She said, I know Messiah coming. But it's in this mountain we worship. Jesus said, no, no, no. I am he. <laughs> I am he. Going into 2022, know who you're talking to. And the Bible says, Jesus straightened her life out. So you've been married five times. You're shaking now. He didn't go and be beat on her and, and dog her out. He said, listen, I, I want to help you. Let me, let me help you. And know what she did? She took the opportunity and went and told everybody else. Now, she wasn't a preacher. Don't go around talking about she was a preacher. No. She told, I know a man that told me about myself, not because he wanted to destroy my life, but because he wanted to help me. When, I, when people come to me for counseling, when I talk to you, I talk to you to help you straighten your life out. I, I don't try to get into gossip and bashing. And, and I, what if, if I made a mistake and said something to you that I shouldn't have said, I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize to anybody that I've done wrong in 2021. And this is what we need to do. Understand, let's go into 2022. We are already in 2022. Go in there with a forgiving spirit and a loving heart. Remember this. I just said, I, I looked in the right direction. I looked toward God. I looked in my heart. I looked at others. And I'm going to try to do my best. I'm your speaker, Brother Clay Phillips. Remember this. Keep it real. You must hear the gospel, believe, pray, confess, and be baptized. That'll make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Let's go and let us start in 2022. Make your resolution. Enjoy your exercise. Most of all, do the will of God. May God bless you. 
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.